Welcome to the Church on the Way podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. We hope it blesses you and encourages you in the faith. Enjoy the message. Wasn't that awesome? It was so good. It was so good to worship with you guys. Uh, worship team, thank you so much. Mario, thanks for leading. Thanks for wearing that really, really awesome looking jacket. That's, that's just fantastic. I love that. When I saw that, I thought, okay, it's Easter. It's Easter. Hey, I've been thinking about Easter eggs. Remember Easter eggs? Any of you grow, grow up? I, I grew up hunting for Easter eggs, these hard-boiled eggs that are colored, you know, certain ways. And my parents used to hide them. But our Easter egg hunts never went very well because um, we had a little dog named Gidget, a little poodle. And, and Gidget, Gidget always found the eggs before me and my brother could. So she'd go dig them up and like, you know, we're like, yeah, we don't have to look at all. It's just like taken care of for us. Um, but that's not the kind of Easter eggs I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about the kind of Easter eggs that you find in films, in movies. Uh, that's little um, uh, visual, visual cues that are hidden in plain sight. They're in the background sometimes. They're, they're just there. In fact, um, one of my favorite uh, film companies is Pixar. They do animated films. And they are famous for hiding Easter eggs in plain sight. And why they call them Easter eggs is because you kind of have to hunt for them and find them. And usually they're pointing to something else. So for instance, at Pixar... Um, the first movie that they ever released was called Toy Story. Anybody know Toy Story? Okay, Toy Story. And, and Toy Story was a truck uh, that was the delivery truck for a place called the Pizza Planet. If you look in almost any Pixar film, except I think The Incredibles, any other Pixar film that's ever been made has a, 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 Pixar, I'm sorry, a, a, a Pizza Planet truck somewhere in the background. You can look for it. Another, another Easter egg in Pixar is the number A113. A113 is in every Pixar film ever made in the background as an address, as something somebody says. And A113 is actually a classroom in the basement of CalArts, uh, a, a school where most of the people who run Pixar and animated Pixar learn character animation. So these are, these are Easter eggs. You're saying, where are you going with this, Tim? I'm actually going somewhere with this. Because the kind of Easter egg I've been thinking about isn't the kind like the Pizza Planet truck or A113. The kind of Easter egg I'm thinking about are the ones that point forward to the next movie. So I'll just give you one because every film in the Pixar canon has some kind of reference to the movie that's coming next. But my wife and I, our, one of our favorite movies of all times is a movie called Up. Have you seen Up? Okay, if you haven't seen Up, do yourself a favor and go rent Up and watch it. We love this movie. It makes my wife cry, happy tears, but it's, it's all good. We watch it every Mother's Day. And in the movie Up, as Carl Fredrickson is, is his house is going up with a bunch of balloons and he's flying off to adventure, he passes the condo, uh, uh, the bedroom of, of a little girl who's playing with her dolls and toys, and in a pile of toys is a stuffed animal of Lotso Huggin' Bear from the movie Toy Story 3 that would come next. So the idea of an Easter egg is that you see something, you find something that is actually from the movie that's coming next. And the series we've been in for the last seven weeks is called Signs. Say that word with me. Signs. The movie, the, or the, the series Signs, not the movie, the series Signs uh, is about the, the miracles that Jesus did in the book of John. In the book of John, it only records seven miracles that Jesus did. 
And then the eighth miracle is him rising from the dead. That was a, a miracle that the father did through Jesus. But Jesus did seven miracles. And each of these miracles is kind of an Easter egg that's pointing forward, way forward to right now. To your redemption and my redemption, to your restoration and my restoration, these are Easter eggs that even though he's using his supernatural power to heal people, we're seeing through those miracles, those signs pointing to something else. By the way, that's what signs do, right? Signs point you somewhere else. If you're looking for a Starbucks coffee, you don't go to the sign and order a coffee, You go to the sign and then you go inside of the store because the sign points to the store. These signs, as John calls them in his book, these miracles point to the fact that Jesus has the power to restore and they point to the fact that God's heart for you is restoration. You and I have been broken and bullied and bound and bent and messed up through our whole lives. And God's heart for you and God's heart for me is to restore us to his original purpose. So in these signs, we've seen that pointing toward restoration. The seventh sign that we're going to talk about today is the ultimate Easter egg. It's pointing to his resurrection for our restoration. His resurrection was for our restoration. Can you say that with me? His resurrection was for our restoration. And as we look at this sign, there are three things that we need to grasp that are going to help us walk into that restoration that God's planned for us. The first one is understanding death. The second one is understanding God. And the third one is understanding life. So we're going to look in John chapter 11. We're going to read through this story of Jesus resurrecting. By the way, spoiler alert, he resurrects Lazarus. But we're going to read through the beginning of it, and we're going to make our way through it. Actually, can I grab a bottle of water? I've realized that I'm super thirsty And now I'm just going to taunt you all and make you thirsty, aren't I? Because that's what happens when somebody drinks water and you're thinking, wait a minute, where's my water? I don't have any. There we go. Okay, let's start here. In verse 1 of of John chapter 11, Jesus changes our perspective about death. It says this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That seems curious to somebody who loves somebody. Here's he's sick. He's going to say, I'm going to stay away for a while. But that's what Jesus does here. He stays there where he was two more days. And then he says to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you and yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks by night that they stumble for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm going to wake him up. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking about his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe 
but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. (laughs) On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. All right, Jesus wants to change our perspective about death. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days, and yet Jesus earlier in the text said, this sickness won't end in death. Didn't he say that? He said that. So you're thinking to yourself, and maybe the disciples are thinking, well, Jesus, that was nice try, but that's exactly what happened. The sickness that Lazarus had ended in death. Did you get it wrong this time, Lord? Well, how many of you know Jesus doesn't get it wrong? Jesus didn't get it wrong. Jesus wasn't lying because he doesn't lie. And he wasn't, by the way, saying only, I'm going to raise him to life soon. Now, I believe he was saying that, but that wasn't the only thing he was saying. This goes deeper. When Jesus said this sickness is not going to end in death and everything that Jesus does with Lazarus in this story is teaching us a deeper reality about death. And that is this, that physical death is not the finale. Physical death is not the end. Physical death is just the end of the first act. Anybody in here like musical theater? Me? I'm the only one that likes musical theater. Okay. A few of you do. You guys over there, right? You know, for you at home, you don't know this, but everybody except for me in this room is wearing a mask. So I can't tell if people are scowling at me or if they're with me. I can't hear the amen. So if you're at home, can you just really yell it loud so I can hear it through the camera? Um, And let's all try a really loud amen on three together in the room. Okay, ready? And in the courtyard too, if you're in the courtyard, I want to hear you from in here. One, two, three. Amen. Oh, so you can do it. All right. I got it. All right. Now, I'm just kidding. Here's the deal. Um, my wife and I love musical theater, and when, when we get a chance to go, we do. One of the greatest events in musical theater over the last few years, one that we really enjoyed uh, going to, saving up for, making sure that we could get to, was a little play called Hamilton. You ever heard of it, Hamilton? It's just a little play you may not have heard of. And Hamilton is this epic, epic story about the founding of America, the founding of the United States, and it centers on Alexander Hamilton. And we were there watching this show, and we were enjoying it, and we already knew most of the lyrics because we had the soundtrack, and our, our family listened to it a lot. And we were enjoying this show to no end, and it gets to the end of the first act, right? It's not throwing away my shot. Alexander Hamilton is talking. They're singing to him. He's running out of time. I won't go into all of it, okay? But it's, it's really cool. And it ends with a crescendo, and it's amazing. And the curtain comes down, and everybody claps. And then everybody gets up and tries to go to the bathroom because it's a line a mile long uh, if you ever go to theater. Um, but when we came back in, something very curious happened. I sat back down in my seats and I noticed a few rows in front of us that some people that had been sitting there weren't there anymore. And I started wondering what was going on. I have a really active imagination, if you didn't know. And so I'm sitting there wondering what could have happened. Did the guy have a heart attack and he had to go to the hospital? I know, really morbid, right? But did, did, did somebody get sick and they had to go home? And then I came upon a thought that was so egregious to me, I couldn't even believe I had it. And here was the thought. Do they not know the play and they thought that the end of the first act was the end of the whole production? That just grieved my heart. To think that somebody could miss the second act. Here's the reality. 
Our life, our physical life here on earth is like the first act. It sets up who we are, our identity, our character, some of the conflict. And then we get to a point where the curtain goes down. And it's the end of the first act, and, and, and it's our physical death. And yet there's a whole second act, but the second act isn't just as long as the first act. In fact, the second act goes on for eternity. Now by saying that, I'm not minimizing the pain of physical death, and neither does Jesus. But here's the challenge. We see death as a moment. We see death as this moment. It's the end of the play, or maybe it's the end of the first act. It's it's something that happens. People die, we grieve it, and we move on. We see death as one moment in somebody's whole life, but the reality about death is it's not just a moment. It's a whole movement throughout our lives. Death messes us up all the way through our lives. We don't understand that it's a growing problem. That death grows in us, that we embrace death. That we come at our lives and it's not just that we die once, but we're actually living through death all through our lives. Maybe you fear physical death. Maybe you think about your future and think, I don't want to die. I want to do everything I can to not die. And that's a good thing. That's a good thought. Let's be healthy. Let's try not to, let, to live as long of lives as we can. But here's the reality that we shouldn't just be afraid of a future physical death, but we should be worried and cautious and concerned about the death that's at work within us right now. Because there's death within us right now. Because death isn't just the end of a life, but it's the destruction of so much in our lives. Here's what happens. When we embrace anything that goes against God, God is the source of life. God is life. So everything that God gives is all about life and and eternity and abundance. And anytime we turn away from what God desires for our lives, we're embracing death. We're embracing death. Even when we're doing things that we think, hey, this makes me happy. If it turns away from what God is asking, what God has created us for, what God has purposed us for, we're embracing death and we embrace death all of our lives and we turn away from God. And this death doesn't just end when we die. This death continues on into eternity. What is the solution to the death that's in our lives? Here's the solution, church, friends. Jesus gave us an answer, and that answer is found on the cross. It's found on the cross. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Listen, God is life. Jesus was God incarnate. He was God on earth. God is all life, and Jesus was life. He never did anything that embraced death. He never did anything that turned away from, from the Father's will. God is life, and all life is in him, and there's no death in him. The Bible says when Jesus died, he had victory over death, victory over anything that came against God, which the Bible calls sin, and victory over death. And because he was full of life and he didn't have to die, because he died, the Bible says he offers us eternal life and victory over death. Friends, here's what we need to learn about death if we're going to walk into restoration. That physical death is simply the intermission. That Jesus wants to give us life in place of the death that is in us right now. And that life can carry on into eternity. There's a misnomer. People think that the church is telling people that don't know Jesus, well, you better accept Jesus or you're going to die. You better accept Jesus or you're going to go to hell. You better accept Jesus or it's not going to work. Can I tell you 
that that equation needs to be flipped around because the reality is as human beings, we're already dead to start with. We already have hell in our lives to start with, and we keep embracing that all our lives, and it carries into eternity. Jesus came to offer life and turn our death around. So it's not, you better accept Jesus or you're going to die. It's if you accept Jesus, you're going to get to live. And that is good news on Easter Sunday. That if you say yes to Jesus, you're embracing life, and that life is the, excuse the term, the vaccine. I know, we've heard that a lot, right? The term, the vaccine, the inoculation, it comes in and it gives us life and it pushes out the death because Jesus didn't just come to set up a religion or to make us all moral people. Jesus didn't just come to make good pe- bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And he wants to face, he wants to address the death in your life right now. We want to learn something about death, that it's in our lives now, it continues for eternity if we don't embrace the source of life, Jesus. Number two, if for, in order for our restoration to happen, we want to understand that Jesus changes our perspective about God. He changes our perspective about death. He changes our perspective about God. Let's read in verse 20 of chapter 11. It says this. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. Mary, the teacher is here and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus changes our perspective about God. Okay, here are the disciples. Disciples saying, Jesus, we need to leave now. Our our friend is sick and and we know you can heal. So if we leave now, we can get there in time. And Jesus doesn't leave then. The sisters, both of them, they must have been talking about it before Jesus shows up because both of them say the same thing when they see Jesus. Lord, if you would have been here, your friend, our brother, wouldn't have died. And the crowd all says, could not he who made the eyes of the blind men see have healed his friend and kept him from dying? And we say something similar. Maybe we say this. We know or we've been told what God can do. Why hasn't he intervened in my pain, in my brokenness, in my life, in my mess? Why does God help other people, but he doesn't seem to help me? 
Why isn't he moving quicker? Because what's going on in my life right now needs quick intervention. The real question that we have, loved ones, is this. Doesn't God care? Doesn't God care? Maybe you're like the crowd and the crowd didn't really know Jesus. The crowd knew about Jesus. And the crowd had heard about Jesus healing other people. And the crowd is saying, well, if he healed other people, why couldn't he heal his friends? If he healed other people, why couldn't he heal me? Why couldn't he heal the problems in the world? Maybe you're like the crowd and you don't know Jesus and you see a broken world and you think if God is good and all powerful, why isn't he taking care of the brokenness in the world? That's a legitimate question. Maybe you know Jesus like Mary and Martha. You're close to him and you've seen him work in other people's lives. You've watched him work miraculous things through other people. But the one thing that you're praying so hard for, the one thing that you're hoping so much for doesn't seem to be happening. And you're good friends with Jesus and you're close and yet somehow he's not answering your prayers and that's causing pain and confusion and disappointment. Can we get real on Easter Sunday? Because that's a question that so many of us have. Martha, in fact, goes out to meet Jesus when he shows up outside of the village. But Mary, her sister, stays home. She stays home. And I don't know why she stayed home, but I can imagine that the depth of her disappointment and the depth of her pain and the depth of her not understanding why Jesus didn't show up earlier, she just said, listen, I'm going to stay home. And maybe you're watching today from home and you stayed home from church or maybe you're here and you didn't want to come because you are frankly disappointed with religion. You're disappointed with faith, with Christianity. You're disappointed with the church. Maybe the church lets you down. Maybe even deeper, you feel like God lets you down. Maybe. I want you to know something about God, and it's really important if you're going to walk into restoration, if you're going to walk from death to life that Jesus invites you to, I think we have to understand this because as long as we think that Jesus could have did something and he didn't and he doesn't care, that's what Mary's asking. That's what Martha's asking. That's what the crowd is asking. And that may be what you're asking today. I want to tell you that Jesus answers you the same way today. He starts not with words, but he starts answering with tears. Jesus wept. God weeps. Can I just stop there for a minute and recognize that two of the most powerful words in the Bible put together are Jesus wept. You say, God, don't you care? And Jesus does care. And he's with you in your pain. And he understands your pain because he died on the cross with the most terrible, horrible death that any human being could ever suffer. And he stands with you in your pain. And he's not an aloof God that stays up in heaven and says, you'll get through it. You're going to figure it out. He actually comes right up beside you. He enters in with you and he weeps with you. He weeps with you. Your God is not distant. He is right there in your pain and he weeps with you. Jesus wept and Jesus weeps with you right now. 
Because Jesus knows how he's going to restore. He knows how he's going to get you through this season. He knows how he's going to fix the brokenness. Sometimes it's here on earth and we contend for that in prayer. Sometimes it's when you get to eternity in that second act and everything then makes sense. But he also knows that you and I often can't see how we're going to be restored. And he understands that we can't perceive what he's doing in our lives in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our brokenness, that he's there with us. He's present in our pain. Now, almost 20 years ago, about 18 years ago, when my son was about 20 months old, he was born with pneumonia and his lungs were compromised, and, and for the first few days of his life, he was in the ICU, and he had tubes all over him. His IV couldn't go through his arm because he was so small and went through his head. We called him our matrix baby. Um, the 11 o'clock service will get that, but uh, that's okay. And he was just this little thing that, that had, had challenges breathing. He had challenges with his lungs, and those challenges continued on. The other thing about him was that he didn't talk until he was three years old. And so at almost two years old, when kids usually are talking, he wasn't able to articulate his pain, his difficulty, his sorrow, what he wanted, what he needed. And there was a problem we found continuing on with his lungs that needed to be x-rayed. And this little 18, 20-month-old little boy was made to be put into a little tube and put into an x-ray machine. And he was screaming at the top of his lungs he was crying and flailing and he didn't want to be there and he couldn't even tell us with words why he didn't want to be there or what was going on. And as a dad, I knew that he had to get this x-ray so we could understand what was going on in his lungs and his life. And so I had to hold him down and make sure that he didn't move so the x-ray could x-ray his lungs while he was still. And while he was screaming and crying, I was crying too. I was weeping with him. I knew that it was going to turn out to be okay. And by the way, here's something miraculous. God touched his little lungs. And he is a strapping young man today. It's awesome. There was an outcome that was worthy of praise, but in the middle of the pain, I was in pain with him because I knew that he had to get through this. And if you're in the middle of pain today, in the middle of brokenness, and you're facing something that you don't understand what God's doing or why he isn't doing something, I want to tell you he's not distant waiting for you to somehow come to him. He's right there with you in tears. Jesus wept. God really cares about our pain. I want to encourage this response from you because Mary, who stayed home because she was disappointed, when Jesus was asking for her, it says she ran to his feet and fell at his feet and worshiped him. Before Jesus did anything to mitigate her pain, she worshiped him. Before Jesus did anything to help her through that broken place and the things she was asking for and the things she was hoping for and the things she didn't understand about Jesus' response, she said, Jesus, I don't understand why you waited so long. I don't understand why you responded the way you did, but I trust you and I'm going to worship you anyway. And I want to encourage this response, church, that when we're disappointed, when we don't understand God, that we worship him, that we trust his heart even when we can't find his hand. That we trust the heart of love and care and compassion even when we don't understand what he's doing right now. Mary worshiped 
Jesus. And Jesus brought about restoration. And that's the third thing, is that Jesus changes our perspective about life. It goes on to say this, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. He said, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That is supernatural power that Jesus worked here. And it was an Easter egg pointing to the resurrection that he would have a few days later and the resurrected life that he wants to give us. I want to talk about, just for a minute, our perspective about life. Because if we're going to walk in restoration, our perspective about death needs to change, our perspective about God needs to change, and our perspective about life needs to change. Listen, Lazarus was Jesus' friend. And can I tell you this? This is the story of Easter. This is what we celebrate today. If you're Jesus' friend, Jesus is going to resurrect your body in the last day. Lazarus was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected. And if you know Jesus, he's going to raise you from the dead in the last day. We celebrate that today on Easter, that we get to participate with that. But here, here's the challenge, that sometimes we get so settled into, yeah, at the last day, someday my body will be resurrected. That's going to be awesome. Mary, I'm sorry, Martha even fell into this. Jesus said, I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And she was so limited in her thinking that she said, yes, Jesus, I understand at the end of time, at the last day, you're going to resurrect people because you're the Messiah. And he said, I'm not talking about the last day. I'm talking about right now. And church, we're going to be resurrected in the last day when Jesus comes back. But I want to tell you that Jesus wants to speak resurrection life into your life right now. While you're alive. Because here's what's happened. We've embraced things of death in our life that has caused brokenness. And Jesus wants to speak to that death. And he wants to speak resurrection life to it. Because eternal life isn't just for after the intermission. Eternal life isn't just for the second act. Eternal life that Jesus offers is for right now. It's for right now. It's abundant life. It's resurrection life. It's eternal life that we live into now. And Jesus wants to remove barriers to you living your life fully while you still live here. Jesus says these words to you Take away the stone. Whatever it is in your life that's blocking the possibility of resurrection life that you can live into right now, he wants to take away that barrier and say you can walk into life. Listen, he doesn't care how stinky or smelly the death that you've embraced or that's been done to you is. He says, we're going to walk into life right now and all of that's going to be gone. 
Jesus is speaking life to you right now in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your death, and he speaks life to you in a loud voice. Listen, I'm excited right now, but I'm not just excited because I'm trying to rile you up. I'm excited because the possibility of resurrection life in people that have been living dead lives, just waiting for the end, someday I'm going to go to heaven. Well, right now, Jesus wants to put heaven in you so that you'll live it while you're alive, and then you'll live it for eternity in heaven. Jesus desires that we live eternal quality of life, abundant quality of life. Jesus says, not I will be the resurrection and the life, I am the resurrection and the life. Right now, right now, the one who believes in me is going to live. Even though they die someday, they're going to live right now. And when they die, they'll keep living. They'll never actually die. He says, I am right now. Resurrection life, abundant life, eternal quality of life, not just after death, but right now in our lives. And I want to tell you this. Maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online and you say, well, that's easy for you to say, Tim, because you're 52 and you probably have a few good years left in your life. But I don't know how long I have. In fact, maybe I got a diagnosis that says I'm going to die. Can I tell you right now, if you're in this room in the courtyard or watching, and that's true of you, even if the diagnosis is right, that every day until that happens, Jesus wants you to live resurrection, eternal, abundant quality of life right now. He wants to remove whatever barrier it is that you can with your final breath say, I'm living for Jesus and I've got life happening in me and through me. Listen, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Don't you love being encouraged on Easter? We're all going to die. But not everybody's going to live. Jesus calls us to live before we die physically and then he's going to call us to live eternally And for some of you, resurrection life takes the form of physical healing. And I believe today that Jesus wants to heal your bodies. I believe that somebody's watching that you're hurting, you're sick, you're broken, and Jesus wants to touch your body. And there are people in this room that Jesus wants to touch your body. There are people in this room and who are watching, Jesus wants to touch your relationship that's broken. He wants to touch your finances that's broken. He wants to touch anything in your life that's messed up and broken. He wants to speak life into it right now. He says, come out of the grave. Come out of the grave. Be resurrected today. And even if it doesn't happen the way we want it to or the way we hope it would, we worship Jesus and we say, Lord, I give you my life. Lord, I don't understand your hand. I don't understand why you might be healing other people and somehow I'm not healed. But we come to the Lord and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. He asked you and me the same question that he asks Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus says, if you will believe, you will see the glory of God. I want everybody listening to me to hear this so clearly right now. The reason I'm preaching a message isn't to wow you or to put together words that make you impressed. The reason we open the Bible and we worship Jesus and we come together, we watch online, the reason is we want to experience the glory of God. Our goal is not for you to have information about faith. Our goal is that you encounter the living God. And I want you to encounter the living Christ this morning because Jesus wants to speak resurrection life to your heart. If you will trust Jesus, it changes everything. Your perspective about God, listen, God cares. 
If you wonder if he cares, if you wonder if he's there, he cares. He's there. He weeps with you. Your perspective about death, death doesn't end when you die physically. That's, death is not just one moment. Death is a movement through our lives that we have to get rid of. And Jesus provided that possibility when he died on the cross. We're going to change our perspective about life because resurrection life isn't offered just after we die for eternity. Eternal life, resurrection life is offered to us right now, starting now. Listen, after hearing that, you may still have questions and even critiques about Jesus or the church. You might have questions and critiques about all of this. Listen, everybody in this story had questions and critiques, right? The disciples didn't understand what Jesus was doing. Mary didn't understand. Martha didn't understand. The crowd didn't understand. In fact, my friend A.J. Swoboda just released a book called After Doubt. It's for people that are doubting their faith and how do you work through it. It's a really fantastic book. But he mentions something in the book about this story. He says, everybody had questions of Jesus. Everybody had critiques of Jesus. Everybody questioned Jesus' motives in this story except for one person, Lazarus. Lazarus didn't go, wait a minute, Jesus, hold on. How come you took four days instead of two days? He didn't, he didn't question Jesus because he experienced resurrection life. And I'm not telling you your questions are invalid because it's okay for us to question and to say, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. But can I tell you that when you experience the reality of resurrection life, your questions are gonna fade into the background. They're not gonna be so important because like Lazarus, when we experience the reality of the touch of Christ that brings resurrection to the dead areas of our lives, the questions fade. I pray that you encounter Jesus today. Thanks for listening to the Church on the Way podcast. If this message has impacted you, or if you would like to support the ministries of the Church on the Way, please visit thechurchontheway.org and click on the Give tab. We hope this has been a blessing to you. Subscribe to receive a fresh word every week.